This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk, it is the Matt McNeil Show. I am your sexy groundhog of love, your Matt McNeil. Hi, how are you today? Matt and Patrick here. Uh, we've got a, a good show for here today. We're hoping you're having a good day. Patrick, how are you today? Doing well. I feel like I've done this show, the same show, over, over and, over and, and over and over again. And over again, yeah. One of the more underrated films. Groundhog Day is a great film. It's on. It's got to be on. Is TNT got it on loop all day today? I do not know. I, I'm going to have to guess they do. Uh, they. By the way, I'm not sure if these are for the Super Bowl, but Lay's has released uh, a series of ads with the guy that played the insurance guy in that movie, uh, and they're kind of dark, but they're great. I think they're wonderful. So if you haven't seen those, you can pull them up. There's like eight of them in the series. And uh, they're over, you know, you can pull them up on YouTube and see them there. Uh, Groundhog Day, of course, uh, the little marmot himself uh, did indeed not see his shadow. That means spring. It's easy to call spring when it's ungodly, unseasonably warm. I I mean, I don't know how much I want to give credit to this little woodland creature for doing this. Anyway, uh, Puxatawney Phil uh, has uh, said early spring this year, so... I guess we don't have to pay attention to the Weather Channel anymore. A a a, a furry round thing has said something. Um, the movie, a classic here. Uh, Bill Murray, uh, Phil Connors, the weatherman, stuck in the same day over and over again. Uh, that we, we I've talked about this before, but I'll, I'll bring it up again because I think it's just funny. How long was he trapped in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania? How many days in a row? Now. Um, this is something, once again, I think the concept of this is great. Um, it took something that Star Trek kind of had, 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 had done, um, and kind of did it over and over again, uh, with, you know, and, and just kind of stuck in a time loop sort of thing. And, you know, they, they, it's, it, it is a fantastic concept. You go to bed at night, you wake up, it's the same day over and over and over and over again. And of all the things to do, a TV weatherman stuck in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, is just a fantastic concept for it. But you know, if you watch the 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 movie, it you do have to ask the question. I mean, how long is he stuck there? Because I mean, some things, you know, he you know, it just is a matter of just after a few days, he'd figure out. You know, he needed the tire jack and the tire. For the people that got the flat tire, that you know, he'd save the guy that was choking. And it just takes one or two times. But some of the other things, like the ice carving and piano playing, because reminder, by the time he gets to the end of that film, he is a top-notch concert pianist, 
And that is not something you can learn quickly. Now, there was what culture did have calculated here. They said um, the you know, they basically for last year, they figured out they 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 he repeats the day um, 12,395 times. Uh, so that would put him into 33 years and 350 days over and over and over again. Harold Ramis originally said he thought Murray's character had been stuck in Puxatani for 10 years. However, in 2009, he admitted the estimate was far too short. He said, it takes at least 10 years to get good at anything, and allotting for the downtime and misguided years he spent, it'd be more like 30 to 40 years. The site methodically reassesses Groundhog Day, looking at three stages of the film. These include 38 days shown on screen. So on screen are just 38 days. The 414 days mentioned, including the six months, four to five hours a day spent throwing cards into a hat, uh, the colossal and the colossal 11,931 days spent learning. Based on the theory, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at anything. The third stage covered the time needed for Phil to learn French poetry, ice sculpting the piano, all in the name of impressing his producer, Rita, played by Andy McDowell. There's also a final additional stage identified as the gesture days in which Murray's character saves a falling child, performs the Heimlich maneuver, and buys a couple of what newlyweds WrestleMania tickets. Dubious reasoning and perfect analysis. Well, we, the jury's still out. I will say there was actually a darker version of this film that had him initially, and, and this had actually gotten to, I think, the storyboard portion, that one of the things he was, he was going to try to figure out how long he was stuck there, and he would go to the local library and read one page of a book every single day. And that if you think about that, how many books have 500, 600 pages? It, it, what eventually happens is he got to all the books. He read every book in the library. And so they realized, well, you know, considering, you know, some books would be a full year by themselves. If you're reading an entire library of books, you could be there for thousands and thousands of years. And they actually were going to go with that. But, you know, there is an interesting element. And, of course, I'm about to show my geekiness. I'm about to show. There's a, under the Peter Capaldi era of Doctor Who, the 12th Doctor, there is an episode where they made basically this Viking girl immortal. And she shows back up like 700 years in the future in like the, the 1500s or 1600s. And she makes the comment that she has written down as much as she can. She has in a library, and she's with all these books, and she she wrote down as much as she could. But she says she goes back and reads them, and she can't even remember a thing about those days. And I think there, that if you think about that, how long would you be able to really remember anything? I mean, say that, you know, under that same guy, say it was, say it was a thousand years that you were stuck in the same place. Not only would you not remember probably the first 400, 500 years you're stuck there, eventually you get to a point where it just, it becomes a fog. But at the same time, would you even remember anything about your life when you eventually got out of that loop? Would, would like in the case of Phil Connors, would he ever be able to go back and remember how to do television weather? Probably not. So they decided to trim it up. But still, 33 years in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Yeah. But at the same time, let's face it, at the end of the movie, he's pretty darn cool. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I am somewhat wrecked about this. 
Carl freaking Weathers, man. Oh, just a great actor. Carl Weathers was a great actor. A former NFL linebacker who became a Hollywood action movie and comedy star playing nemesis-turned-ally Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies, faced off uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator, and uh, teaching golf in Happy Gilmore. He died. He was 76. Matt Luber, his manager, said Weathers died Thursday. His family issued a statement. He died peacefully in his sleep, uh, comfortable flexing his muscles on the big screen. Action Jackson, as he was joking around in the small screen, on such shows as Arrested Development, Weathers was perhaps most closely associated with Apollo Creed, who made some of his first appearance in the uh, cocky, undisputed heavyweight world champion in 76's Rocky, starring Sylvester Stallone. It puts you on the map, makes you your, your career, to, so to speak, So, but that's a one-off, so you've got to follow it up with something. Fortunately, those movies kept coming, and Apollo Creed became more and more of people's consciousness and welcome into their lives, and it was just the right guy at the right time, he told The Daily Beast in 2017. Most recently, Weathers has starred in the Disney hit TV show The Mandalorian, uh, appearing in all three seasons. And I want to just take a quick moment to appreciate Carl Weathers because, first of all, let's make let's just be honest. The Rocky movies, those first two Rocky movies, would not be nearly as good without, without you know, Apollo Creed. Without, you know, Carl Weathers played that role perfectly and it made it made those movies that much better and by the way go back and watch go back and watch that movie it's funny how sports used to be like they're setting up for the heavyweight match uh, the heavyweight boxing match of the world and they're just basically setting up folding chairs in a in an auditorium in a high school gym in pennsylvania somewhere (laughs) it really is kind of wow and just, you know, just randomly picking some guy out of the book to to have a fight with him. That's great. And, 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 and uh, oh, gosh, who played? Do you remember who the guy that played the Penguin in the Batman TV series who played his his manager? Uh, Burgess Meredith. Thank you. Gosh, Burgess Meredith was fantastic in there as well. Uh, I will say that uh, Predator, a phenomenal film. As a matter of fact, I was just listening to the podcast, the uh, Smartless podcast, and with uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger on it, and he was talking about the 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 making of uh, Predator and uh, it the fantastic movie that is, and and just and Carl Weathers is kind of he's the one character, and I, I, I you know he doesn't it doesn't go well for him eventually, but he's one of the the great characters in regards to character arc in that movie. I mean, um, I would I would say he and 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 Arnold and I mean the guy that played Billy too kind of has a little bit of a character arc in that too. So yeah, the, our our former governor here in Minnesota he he, he didn't last long. Yeah, you know, Jesse is he? Yes. I will say Carl Weathers in my mind has the greatest line from one of those cheesy 1980s cop movies. Ever, 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 ever. Absolutely. And that is from Action Jackson. I can't even think of I can't even say this line. It's not, it's not he's got space dementia from from um you know that that god awful movie. Uh what was the asteroid movie uh, that that uh, you know Bruce Willis and um Armageddon. Armageddon. It's He's got space dementia. That's mwah, manna from heaven right there. But this is as good as it gets from the 1980s. He sits there, Carl Weathers sits there with a, uh, a flamethrower. 
and the bad guys are coming towards him, and he says, with the flamethrower, how do you like your ribs? And he turns it on. (laughs) Oscar! Oscar! He was robbed. The Academy robbed him that year. Uh, Of course, Happy Gilmore was a great comedy term for him, but I will say, comedically one of the best castings ever, 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 ever. Carl Weathers in Arrested Development. Holy God, his scenes are just amazing. And his ability to do comedy is, 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 there are few people that can pull off how he does it, and he does it so well. He did it so well. And of course, if you're a fan of The Mandalorian, he's perfectly cast in that role. Uh, from the Mandalorian, from the Disney Plus uh, TV show. Uh, just, he, he was. He's absolutely perfectly cast. He understood the character that he's playing. And, yeah. I am, I, it, it is sad. It is sad. Because he, he's one of those guys that I kind of grew up with. I remember when I was a kid, the Rocky movies being big. And, and then, of course, you know, you know Predator and then in the 1980s and stuff like that but you know just the love of comedy with the the other movies and stuff you know, just yeah i very appreciate a very wonderful actor a big big sad loss to all of us carl weathers passing away let's take a break come on back i gotta get into a few other things it is the matt mcneil show right here on your friday hi hey mr dj put a record on I want to dance with my baby. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on your Friday. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So it is uh, February. It is Black History Month. I have, um, I, I once again, um, I, I, I think it's sometimes a bit of a crime that we, we go through this month and for the most part people are focused on the Super Bowl and then in Valentine's Day and then all it's like, oh, it's Black History Month. And so I'm going to take some time, as many days as I can, to try to to talk about an issue here, which is definitely something that's affecting not only generally, in many cases, the black community, but as well also minority communities and all people as well. And we shall be paying attention to it. And this is, I'm and and I'm I'm going to do my best. I my job here is not to be white savior. It is not. My job is to try to inform people. And. You know, if you want to know, if you're if you're a white person and you want to know what you can do to help race relations, well, ask the black community, ask them. I've said this before with the Native American community. You know, you know defer to them; they'll tell you. You know, you 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 should be a tool for their agenda, not try to force an agenda on them. And act like you've done something good. How about I say it like that? All right. So my job here is to basically, I want to make sure we keep pointing out the insane levels of injustice that are going on. And when you think of insane levels of injustice, well, Alabama seems to come to the top of the list, doesn't it? The Alabama Parole Board last year denied parole to a man who's been serving 20 years jail sentence on an armed robbery conviction on the grounds he was too dangerous to let free. Okay. All right. So someone committed a problem, you know, armed robbery, 20 year jail sentence. Uh, you know, hey, he's too dangerous to be let free. 
But as AL.com reports, the man in question actually had been dead for 10 days at the time of the decision that they said he was too dangerous to be set free. According to the report, 55-year-old Easterling Correction Facility, Frederick Bishop was found unresponsive while incarcerated last year, taken to the prison's health care facility and later pronounced dead. The cause of his death has still not been disclosed, even though it occurred nearly a year ago. According to AL.com, the parole board was unaware of his death, in large part because the prisoners eligible for parole are not allowed to attend their own hearings, which typically typically last mere minutes per case because, let's face it, they're not looking to give parole to anybody. They want to look tough on crime, tough on crime. We're wasting taxpayer dollars even bringing them here to us so they can represent themselves. Bishop's mother, Dorothy Jean Bishop, tells AL.com that happens to her son was both incomprehensible and entirely believable given how the state treats the prison population. They don't care. A spokesperson for the Alabama Bureau of Prisons and Paroles told AL.com that the board was unaware of Bishop's death while also apologizing for any confusion caused by the mix-up, a.k.a. you guys didn't even do your basic due diligence. They also pledged that the board would continue to take steps to avoid this and similar situations in the future. Now, let me tell you the truth. I do not know the race of Frederick Bishop, but I do know that a large portion of our a, a, a absolutely unacceptable majority of our prison population is minority and predominantly black because black people are convicted of crimes and thrown into prison at much higher rates than white criminals are. I mean, how many times have we seen you know, I, and, and, I, and I, I tell you the truth, it's, it, it is remarkable how often we see a, you know, a, you know, a black man is perceived to have taken one cent too many from the take a penny, leave a penny jar at the front counter of a gas station. And he and his entire family are face down on the ground outside, cuffs on with, with you know, white sheriffs sitting there saying, until I get some answers, nobody going anywhere. Meanwhile, a white guy can have a, and this actually happened, can have a guy clinging to the outside of his, a police officer clinging to the outside of his car, and at no point is the white guy under threat of being shot by the police officer who is holding on for their life. Or how many times have you seen white, you know, deranged white man with a gun sitting out there and it's like, hey, buddy, we're bringing out some Big Macs here. Let's, let's just sit down and talk this out, Hallie. It's it's clear there is a racial injustice in the system. And when you look at the prison population and you look at how things are going there, it, it, it is unacceptable to have this level. We're, these, these are human beings, for goodness sakes. And frankly, a lot of them are probably innocent. But because... As we have seen time and time and time again, how many times have you seen it? Well, the, 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 the description is black, and it doesn't matter. You find a black person, and you chuck them into jail. You railroad them in. What is two stories to go along with this? We've had now stories, and I believe this was Alabama as well, where you had you know, prisoners who were buried just in, you know, in mass graves unmarked, unrecognized, no one knows where they're at, and they're trying to figure out, oh, well, there are loved ones here that need to know this. Oh, heaven forbid. 
I mean, my God, I mean, it, it, you almost want to put a recycling bin out there just so that at least we don't have to try to dig these bodies up for you, you, you insensitive jackasses. I mean, my God. On top of that, there is a there is a really nasty trend that's starting to come back. And this is something I mentioned the other day. The chain gang is starting to come back. And part of this is, you remember when all those Republicans said they don't want immigrants from across the border coming to our country? One of the things that they didn't want to acknowledge is a lot of those immigrants come in and do the jobs most Americans just do not want to do, particularly farm labor, which is exhausting. It is it is relentless. Sometimes the weather is horrific and stuff. And so you, you it's kind of one of those things where white people and the locals generally don't want to do those jobs. And so the farming community, and this is kind of one of the big secrets of the farming community, it's been there for a long time, is they are dependent on these these undocumented workers to come in and work these farm jobs. And when the Republican governors shut that down, well, all of a sudden these people can't find people to come, the, the farmers can't find people to come work their farms. Well, the solution, the chain gang is back, where basically you can hire out the the, the, the local jail to put chains on people and have them come out and do menial labor tasks and not really even get paid for it. Is we are in Black History Month, we need to understand the level of dysfunction in this country. That we have prisons which are overwhelmingly filled with black prisoners, many of them wrongly convicted. Not all of them, by any means, not all of them but many of them wrongly convicted. They don't even care about them enough to keep track of them to see if they're still alive when they come up for you know, a parole hearing, which they're not allowed to attend and are considered dangerous even when they're dead. They bury them in mass graves. They don't even pay attention to where they put them. And they basically are taking them out there and putting them into forced labor camps, which is never goes well. Until we start fixing some of this stuff, you know, you're, you're, people wonder, it's like, why do you think there's injustice? Well, open your freaking eyes. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. There's a space in my heart when it all comes crashing down. Anytime I hear your name, I'm public. There's a place. Broadcasting in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and in the afternoon on the mothership because I am a mother. It's the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, AM 950. It's Matt McNeil's show on your Friday. Hope you have a good weekend planned for yourself. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, this breaking news, the United States on Friday carried out a series of military strikes against Iran-backed militants in a half a dozen sites in Iraq and Syria. According to the U.S. Defense Department's official, marking a sharp escalation in the war in the Middle East that the Biden administration has for four months sought to avoid. President Biden had promised to respond to a drone attack in Jordan on Sunday that killed three American soldiers, injured at least 40 more service members. The military action sought to send a message to Iran and the militants it backs that continued attacks on the U.S. troops in the region will international and international ships in the Red Sea will draw a response. Mr. Biden's approved the retaliatory strikes, U.S. officials said. He even telegraphed that they are coming when he told reporters on Tuesday that he made the decision in order to respond to the drone attack uh, on a remote outpost in Jordan. 
Mr. Biden and his top allies have been loath to take steps that could draw the United States into a wider war in an already hugely unstable region. In particular, the administration does not want a proxy war underway with Iran to become more significant conflict. But with the strike, latest strikes, that possibility is inching closer. Administrative officials said Biden had little choice but to hit back after the strike in Jordan killed three American soldiers, especially since their deaths came amid a steady stream of attacks from Iran-backed groups like uh, the Hutus in Yemen and uh, Hezbollah in Iraq. So there you go. Uh, I will say this. One of the things I, I, I was reading, uh, kind of more of a deep dive into how we've gotten into this position in the Middle East. And they, the person said is what you've got is for Barack Obama under W. Bush um, to a point uh, under Clinton, H.W. Bush, even Reagan going back that far. There was an understanding within the White House that if you played obscene favorites with certain countries, that that was going to come back and play and, 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 and bite you. And it doesn't don't doesn't mean that the United States hasn't you know played favorites over there. They have, but they have not played the kind of the obscene favorites. And then we got Trump, and when it what it became just a Saudi Arabia is great because they they sure gave Jared Kushner a ton of money, which by the way no Republican seems to have any problem with at all at all. Uh, on top of that, uh, they were just, you know, you know, unabashedly pros Israel. And he said that, you know, if, if he gets elected here, he'll, he'll, you know, sign off on killing as many Palestinians as, as the Israelis think is necessary, if not all of them. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the tone coming from the, the, the Trump administration. So the fact he goes, when you got to the Trump administration and it, he just didn't understand the nuances of foreign policy and just always wanted to be the smartest guy in the room when he was the dumbest guy in the room, when, especially when it came to foreign policy, that that's how you got to this point. And this was, you go back and you can start seeing this, the Middle East unravel even back in 2017 and so. And so, thanks, Donald Trump, you suck. Uh, I think that's what we've got. We've all, you know, we're, we're kind of at that point. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, I want to give an update here. Okay, so of all the Trump court cases, um, the one down in Florida, the, that judge uh, Cannon down there is doing everything in her power to make sure that court that case never gets to a courtroom because she's basically it, it clearly appears like she's on the the payroll of the Trump organization. I mean, it, I mean, I, you can't look at her rulings and not think that there is something there that is is there's. I mean, I've got zero doubt in my mind that there has been communication between the Trump camp and her about these rulings. I'm dead serious. I have, I've, you know, I, I, you, you explain to me how you're, you're making the rulings you are. I mean, it just, it, it, it seems like your whole goal here is to, to cover for the guy that gave you that job, even though you are wildly in, unqualified to be uh, a judge on that court. That being said, that one is probably not going to go away. Well, of course, the one in New York, they're, they're holding it up now because there's a perjury charge, but they're expecting a ruling here on how much he's going to have to pay here by the end of February. So we'll have to hold, see in that. There's the case down in D.C. about him, oh, you know, trying to overthrow the government of the United States. And that one now has been delayed. But it is going to be a relatively air. They're, they're waiting. They want to get this ruling from the Supreme Court in regards to Trump and immunity, which once again, if if the Supreme Court comes down and says that Trump is immune, expect this to be a word salad a la via Bush v. Gore, 
where in, in Bush v. Gore, what they did is they took a case that had nothing to do with election law, inverted the ruling of it, and applied it to that case, and then basically said, we'll never revisit this again. This is a one and done. We're not ever going to do this again. And my guess is going to be is they're going to, because they can't, they don't want to set the standard that a future Democratic president can never be held accountable. They, they basically just, they've got to get Trump off, but they can't, they can't establish that standard. So expect if this comes down some sort of his way, which I still think is unlikely. I think, I think there is a, it's, it's, I think it's going to be probably a seven, two ruling that no, that the president of the United States is not, you know, above the law and only the completely and totally compromised Alito and Clarence Thomas are the ones that basically say, you know, he he can do whatever he wants. Because we've been, I got an RV. Have you seen the RV? Okay, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> that being said, the the last case is the one that Trump is absolutely terrified about, and that is the one in Georgia. And today we learned some uh, some new facts about Fannie Willis. And although it's not, it it's kind of it's it's kind of yeah. I mean, there's a bit of a boneheadedness there to it. At the same time, what she's done today, some people feel as if she's basically made it impossible for Trump to get rid of her off this case. So what's happened is this. Georgia's Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis admitted in a court filing today that she had a personal relationship with a prosecutor she appointed to oversee her office's election interference case against former President Trump. Willis denies in the 176-page filing that her relationship with the prosecutor, Nathan Wade, had any impact on the case's proceedings. The admission comes weeks after one of Trump's co-defendants in the case, Mike Roman, alleged in a court filing that Willis and Wade had a romantic relationship she personally personally benefited from, claiming he used his salary from working on the case to bring Willis on expensive vacations. Willis's filing dismisses that suggestion. Roman's motion wildly speculates that District Attorney Willis somehow benefited financially from the investigation and prosecution of this case, but provides no support to justify that conclusion. In an absolutely clear, the personal relationship between Special Counsel Prosecutor Wade and District Attorney Willis has never involved direct or indirect financial benefit to Dr- District Attorney Willis. The filing states that, and the two have never e- shared any joint finances, financial accounts, or households, and have not merged their expenses in any way. All travel costs were divided between the two. It continued as both have substantial income and neither is financially reliant on the other. That was the, that was kind of the problem. It was like, you know, wait a second here. She's dependent on him for trial travel. I mean, she's got a pretty good job too. The filing suggests that Roman's allegations, which Trump and his supporters have backed as proof of corruption in the case are an attempt to have someone more sympathetic to Trump take over the case. One may question whether the intent is to disqualify the prosecutor who has taken all the abuse to, pers- uh, uh, persuade, uh, to persuade justice in this case at a uh, personal cost, or pursue justice in this case at a personal cost, only to be substituted with someone less committed to do, the, do so, the filing does add. In the event that Willis is removed or accrues herself in the case, it would fall to Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr, a Republican, to appoint another district attorney in the state to take over the proceedings. Last month, Carr was one of more than two dozen GOP attorney generals to sign a friend of the court filing saying that the Colorado Supreme Court was wrong to remove Trump from his ballot over the alleged 14th Amendment violation, a.k.a. that if he gets the choice here, basically, that he's going to put someone in there that's going to say, I don't see, you know, he, yeah, sure, he said he needed all these votes, but... You know, he said he needed fries, too. Are we going to prosecute him about the fries? <laughs> you think that... And by the way, as ludicrous as a suggestion or an example as I can make with that, that that's probably going to be pretty close to what the argument is. Who 
doesn't like tater tots? Um, much of Roman's filing focuses on more than $650,000 Wade has collected in legal fees for his work on the case. That salary, he alleges, uh, is inappropriately high for a lawyer whose firm handles car accidents and family law disputes. I will say this, if it handles car accidents, it depends on the accident, because I can tell you right now, I had a crash course, unfortunately, in how car accidents work. And depending on the situation, I mean, if it comes from a, if the person was, say, drunk and driving and they came from a bar that was legally serving uh, the individual past the point where he clearly was uh, intoxicated, intoxicated, um, that basically you have merit to go after the bar and other people as well. I mean, it, there are there are things there. So you saying that 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 that's a lot of money, six hundred fifty thousand dollars. I mean, that could be one case, depending on a car accident. That could easily easily be one case. Um. Now I'm going to say to Fannie Willis that this is the one thing you should have seen this cab coming down the street i would make an argument the minute you got into a romantic relationship with this individual you probably should have either separated him from this case or you should have come out with it and said there's a romantic relationship here and this is to a point it's a little bit like the defense secretary i understand you want to keep quiet about cancer and stuff like that and by all means sir i hope that you 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 recover and everything goes well there um that at the same time, though, you have a position that that you because you have taken this position, your ability to maintain a level of anonymity has been removed. And so part of me looks at this and says, you know, at what point do you look at this and say that won't come back and bite me if it's discovered that I'm you know, having a relationship with a person that I have hired and brought on and I'm paying a salary? That being said, you're, you know, just because that does happen doesn't mean this is the case. As a matter of fact, her point is, reminder, the linchpin, the linchpin for this is that he paid for her vacations via the money that he was paid after she hired him. And basically that's just, that's just fishing. Now, in case you've not paid attention to the whole thing with the Joe Biden impeachment, the entire argument they're making is there is that even though Joe Biden hadn't done anything wrong, that and it's the same. And by the way, it's the same exact argument that they made when it was the Clinton Foundation back in 2016. Just because she got a donation to the Clinton Foundation that might have come from an outside source, their argument is, well, even though that didn't directly go to something that shouldn't have been spent on, it opened up money for her to do it. And funny, it's when you bring that argument up with about the NRA, they're, oh, no, the NRA would never take Russian money and funnel it through the NRA and give it to Republicans. How would you, would you suggest that? And that sort of thing. That being said, um, nothing illegal ever happened with the Clinton Foundation. Nothing illegal has happened with the Joe Biden situation. And nothing illegal has, seems to have happened here. And by her being upfront with this, this actually might have diffused this pretty well. Uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis admitted on Friday that she was romantically involved with one of her special prosecutors, Nathan Wade. But the details she and Wade have now revealed destroy really any chance former President Trump can use to get her thrown off the election racketeering case against him. 
Uh, this is according to a Georgia state law professor, Anthony Michael Kreese. Wade, a defense lawyer and former municipal judge who was hired by Willis, despite having little background as a prosecutor, was revealed to be having an affair with her after alleged allegations made by an attorney for Trump, co-defendant Mike Roman. Financial documents released as a result of Wade's divorce proceedings reveal he spent money on trips for the both of them. This has led Trump and his allies to claim that Willis and Wade orchestrated the whole prosecution as a smokescreen to take public funds to support the relationship. But wrote Kreese on uh, on Twitter, Wade's disclosures in a new sworn affidavit contradict this. The chances of successful disqualification went from 5% to 0.05%, wrote Kreese, noting that according to Wade's affidavit, the relationship with Fannie Willis started with his appointment as special prosecutor. The two have never cohabitated and travel expenses have been split between them. The existence of a relationship between Willis and Wade in and of itself would not pose any legal conflict of interest because the two of them are on the same prosecutorial team and their professional interests are aligned regardless. So it would be different if she was having a relationship with someone on the other side of the bench. Yeah. However, some legal experts like Bush administration White House ethics lawyer Roger Richard Painter had advised that Wade and Willis should have hand off the case to other prosecutors anyway to minimize the ability of Trump and his co-defendants to use personal scandal to distract this. Well, I, I'm going to just say this. They're desperately going to try to get rid of this, but at the same time, you know, if they do, it's going to go to someone who's basically going to say, I don't see a crime here. Um, by the way, vote Trump in 2024. That's going to be what it is. So I think she doesn't have any choice but to stay on this case because any other option and this case goes away. We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. I want to kiss you. You would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the world as I fell asleep. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Once again, on your Friday, good to be with you. Once again, uh, 4 o'clock hour, Philip Anthony from the Downright Upright Show is going to be joining us. Uh, and uh, we're going to be uh, talking with him about his uh, weekend show here on uh, the Mothership AM 950, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So I want to um, I, I be you know, somewhat critical here of all of us. Do you know in the movie uh, Independence Day, you know, do you remember that when the aliens show up? And there's that one group of people that goes to the top of the building in Los Angeles to party hardy with the aliens up there, thinking that, hey, the ominous spaceship that's not sending out any signals, they got to be friendly, right? And, hey, it, it does not end up well for them. No, it's a boom. Uh, it kind of, uh, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it, 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 it goes poorly. You know, it, it, there there comes a point where, and granted, that's a movie, and it's a cheesy movie, and uh, you get you you do get you know I don't necessarily human reactions from a bad movie like that, but at the same time, there it, it is a good example of what we are kind of going through right now. So imagine one year, all of a sudden, an alien spaceship shows up and just starts hovering ominously over someplace. And then the next year, two more ships show up and just hover ominously over us. And then more ships. And every year, more ships keep showing up and they're not saying anything. It just is there. And it's something you can't deny. They are there. That is, that's undeniable. That is what is happening. They are there. Right there. There you can see them. And they're not talking to us. They're not doing anything. They just keep showing up. It just keeps happening. There comes a point where you would say to yourself, It'd be really stupid for us to sit and dance and and celebrate 
right before the laser beam turns us into rotisserie. It, oh gosh, yeah. Mm, yum, yum. You think to yourself, you know, maybe there was a few signs we should have done something. This is the problem we face with climate change. So up here in Minneapolis-St. Paul, we've had to cancel pretty much everything that makes Minnesota winter, Minnesota winter. Um, not everything. I mean, we, the St. Paul Winter Carnival is still going on, but all the outdoor events pretty much have been canceled. We have uh, a, a cross-country ski race called the Lopit, which uh, goes on, uh, supposed to go around, one of, it's supposed to go on one of the lakes. That's it's unless you want, you got scuba gear, you're not doing that this year. Um, it's it there. They postponed it for later on. Uh, all these ice palaces and ice festivals, they've had to cancel them. The ice, the U.S. Pond Hockey Tournament, they shut that down. Um, you've got you know basically ice fishermen across Minnesota pulling a Yukon Cornelius and floating out to sea. Uh, as the ice on these lakes is just not good enough, and there's part of the problem. And so we're 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 seeing all this happen. Yet, when we have a day in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Chicago, I know you guys have had some heat too. We had a day where we hit 55 degrees. This was on Wednesday. We hit 55 degrees. The average day we usually hit 55 in the Twin Cities is like April 10th. The last year, the earliest we hit 55 degrees was late April. And this year we hit it in January, 55 degrees in January. Shortest winter, second shortest winter season on on record, but really actually the shortest one because the other one was one fluke day and then it got cold again. This has been not a, this is, this is kind of the new normal. It seems like there's a guy I know on Facebook and he posts about, Oh, you climate change, doom and gloomers. What's the big problem? It's gorgeous outside. Hey, I know it's not right, but I'm getting out and enjoying this because this is fantastic. Part of me wants to look, it's like, okay, why don't you just move to St. Louis then? Because this is, you know, St. Louis, Oklahoma City weather. This is what we're having. I mean, if you don't like it here, why are you here? I mean, it's it's same thing goes for Chicago. You know, you you can go down and, and live in Louisville or live in live in you know Nashville. You don't have to live in Chicago, but you live there because it's great. It's got a lot of great things going on. Minneapolis, St. Paul's got a lot of great things going on. But if if you're like, oh, I can't stand it, well, you shouldn't probably be living here if it's that bad for you. That being said, it's a really blithe way of just sweeping away the fact that the alien ships are starting to start show up in every city in this country at this point. And they don't, they, the, the fact that they're not saying anything to us is just for us to keep ignoring it is bad. Now this same individual, when the U S pond hockey tournament was canceled, all of a sudden had a very different tone. How come they could have that? They should have found some way to put that on, you know, and I just want to look at you and just say, do you not even hear yourself? You, you yourself are acknowledging you, you yourself are suffering, might be a minor suffer, but still you have an event that you wanted to do, but because of all the damn things in Minnesota in winter, it's not cold enough for snow or ice. Hello, alien ship above us. Let's not go to the top of the building and start dancing around. Okay. The, uh, you know, you, you, we got to take it seriously. And I think part of our problem is that we have this tendency of, oh, well, it, it's, an, it's a nicer day than it should be. 
It's fine. And it's only when we get to, oh, it's 106. What? God, this is horrible. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And it's and technically it's kind of the same horrible. But as long as we are willing to go to the top of the freaking building and dance around underneath the UFO spaceship, we kind of are only almost asking to be turned in. It's like, hey, let me I'll tell you what. Why don't I just baste myself and uh, suggest a leg cut? I mean, it's it's that's kind of one of those things. <laughs> Our new alien overlords. I can point out all the people I think would be delicious. I'll just you know I'll I'll make a list. Um, that I've also seen, there's a new thing that they're, they're, they're suggesting a tarp that they're going to put in space to block off the, the sun to a point, which by the way, is a horrifically bad idea. I, I, uh, and by the way, just, we're suggesting this trillions of dollars worth of, uh, of spending to basically block this off just so that we can keep spend, you know, keep burning fossil fuels as opposed to going other ways that this is the, well, we got to do it this way. Someone, I, I read a, a science paper one time. If we if we had a ring, if the moon broke apart and we actually had a ring like Saturn around the Earth, anywhere the ring's shadow would be on Earth would be dramatically colder, like ice age colder, wherever the shadow was there. So no, we don't want to do the tarp thing. Maybe, just maybe, as opposed to go to the top of the building and start dancing for the aliens that are about to cook us and eat us, maybe, just maybe, we should take this seriously. Maybe. Chicago, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Hour 2 up next. Hi, it's Penny from Nightingale in Minneapolis. Since 2012, we've been your go-to dining spot near 26th. Hour number two of the show here on your Friday. Matt, Patrick, Brett here. Just really quick here. I just reposted this. Jesse Ventura put out there, we lost an icon. Carl Weathers was a phenomenal talent, a true professional and a dear friend. Great picture of him and Carl Weathers together on the set of Predator. A great picture. Oh, of the that two must of them. be. Yeah, yeah. You get those oh, two, yeah. Oh, God, man. Carl Weathers was great. He, mm. Did you ever see him in Arrested Development? Oh, that's what I, that's where I was just going to go. Yeah, where he what? he was still <laughs> trying to give those acting <laughs> what lessons. Do, what are you doing? Get rid of that bone. Take that home. Put some in the water. You, you let it boil for a while. You got a stew. <laughs> And then it shows him in the next scene walking around with a foil uh, swan from a restaurant (laughs) to go pick. Oh, just what great casting that was. So, uh, Speaking of great casting, how about that as a segue here? Uh, Philip Anthony, are you kind enough to join us as well today? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Philip. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you for having me again. My pl- I really appreciate that. No problem. The Downright Upright Show is uh, joining our, uh, of course, beautiful schedule here on the weekends. Uh, he is uh, at uh, 5 to 6 o'clock on Saturdays, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Philip Anthony is kind enough to join us to talk a little bit about that. Hi. So where are you at right now? I'm home. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You were out. You were out traveling. We were going to have you on last week. You're out traveling around a little bit, but you're home now. Based, uh, congratulations to the lineup. Which, which, once again, we've got this this great lineup, Brett, uh, in the afternoons here on Saturdays now. Yeah, it's basically LGBTQ plus hosted programming that is going to be on the airwaves every Saturday afternoon as we get things kicked off with this queer book saved my life at two o'clock, along with the Gailey Show, a combo of those two programs. Three o'clock, Twin Cities Pride Amplified. Yeah, that Twin Cities Pride that organization with us telling us a lot a lot about what they do just outside of pride because it's more than just june with what they do yes four o'clock we got le 2.0 radio longtime host here at the station and then five o'clock the man we're talking to 
now the Downright Upright show with Philip Anthony. So four outstanding hours of LGBTQ plus hosted programming. Now, Philip, I want to talk because you've been doing the podcast version of this. And to a point, I actually think that's harder than doing what I do here. Because you kind of got to go, there's not a lot of commercial breaks or anything in there. You're just kind of going and talking there. Uh, t- talk about the transition for you joining the, the terrestrial radio side of things here. You know, the funny thing was that my, um, you know, before I did this show, when I first started, uh, the podcast was like an hour and, and some odd minutes, but straight through. Yeah. You know, I did. There was no breaks. You know, and I was just able to keep talking. And you know, sometimes you get into a great conversation and you don't want to end it. Now I have to do uh, spots of twenty minutes and then a commercial, twenty minutes and a commercial, and then ten minutes and a commercial. So it's it's different. So I'm getting used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, uh, the, the, I give you a lot of credit for that. Okay. <laughs> you could do it. <laughs> well, I it's it's I, I actually I worked in music radio forever, and so back timing a song that was actually a lot tougher than this. But no, I'm glad you're here, uh, and I'm also glad we've got this 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 great lineup on Saturdays. I don't know. Is there, to your knowledge, is there another radio show anywhere that's doing something like this where we got four hours of LGBTQIA plus community relevance radio going on? No, AM 950. That's it. Wow. And this is, you know, an amazing station, great people, wonderful owner. Um, there's a lot of camaraderie in this group of four shows. And I'm so happy, honored to be able to close out the block because I, you know, it's, you know, if if you listen to the shows from two o'clock on to the, the end, um, one show is um, talking about uh, books connected to the you know the authors and um gay people and lgbtq people that have read the book and how it uh saved their life basically i was i was a guest on jp's show it was amazing yeah. and and then it goes into um you know a pride amplified uh talking about pr- that pride is not just one day a year you know um and then of course you have uh, ellie 2.0 and and me so, uh, and my show is a little different in the fact that I interview people and at the end of the show, we, we talk about current events like you do. We talk about, you know, what's happening like today. Uh, the, the breaking news, breaking news was that the uh, Senate came up with a bill supposedly about the border. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. Which, which bill is this one? Well, they were working on this bill um, because um, President Trump, the ex-president, doesn't want the bill to pass because then it would be helping Joe Biden. Oh, that bill. Okay, yeah, that bill. So um, now it's gonna. We're gonna see if um, you know, uh, you know, Trump's little Johnson's gonna pass the bill. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, so it's got out of the Senate. Then you said. Say again. It got out of the Senate. Then. Well, they're gonna vote on it now. Okay. They, they agreed on the bill. They um, they have all the parameters that they want to put in the bill, and it's just got to be voted on. And it's gonna pass, I think. Well, I, I think there's enough there's enough people in the Senate that realize because I mean, you want to be critical of Joe Biden on how much he gave away in that bill. That's fine. I think that that's legit. That is a. I think the Republicans were stunned at how much they're going to get out of that bill in regards to what they want on the border, and for the House to shut it down like this. It, it's. It, I, I think it's fantastic. I hope that. I hope the Senate Republicans rub this House Republicans' face in it because that would be delicious. 
It will be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Just stay tuned. You know, I don't know what uh, Johnson's going to do about it, um, because if he doesn't pass it, then it looks like they don't want to uh, secure the border. You know, well, it's always so funny how the, the House Speaker thinks that they're much bigger. I get it. In the hierarchy of taking over the presidency, they're number three. But they really are the you know of, of the of the federal government. They're the kid in the corner eating the paste. I mean, it, it is really just the this the, 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 this you know. McCarthy thought he had a lot more power. Sure, you do there, Kevin. Here, here's a here's a, here's some Elmer's glue. Off you go. You know, so it's kind of one of those things where Johnson, I think, thinks he's got a lot more power. But I think you know the Senate A knows that they've got a lot more power in regards to this and throwing it back on their feet. It's. I, I, if it comes up for a vote in the House, it will pass just because I just don't think there's enough, you know, borderline Biden district Republicans that want that against them on the, and the vote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, you got to realize, too, this is the issue they're running on. They have nothing else. The economy is amazing right now. Oh, I mean, yeah. The late the latest job numbers were like they were expecting one hundred and fifty thousand new jobs. It was three hundred and eighty or something. And, um, yeah, they, 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 you know, the uh, inflation is going down, you know, um, everything is just getting better. And so they need an issue. And that's why Trump doesn't want um, the deal to pass, because then what is he going to run on? You know, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I, love, I, do, I love Fox News whenever good economic news comes by. And the faces they have, they look like a ketchup bottle seeing Trump coming at them. It's like this, you know, just really disturbed, <laughs> like, oh, God. More jobs. Oh, thank God. oh, guess it's good. All right, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, this election is going to be, you know, really close because it's going to yep. be um, basically independent, you know, uh, deciding who the president is because everybody's in their own corner. And so we have to we have to get the independent vote. And um, I think abortion, you know, women, you know, uh, suburban women are going to make a big difference in oh, the yeah. election. No, nope. to win the Republican nomination in any district or any state, what you need is you need to be pro-Trump and anti-abortion to win the nomination or win the primaries. And then you, if you run on that, especially in the suburbs, you will get destroyed. And so they, they basically, these candidates set up their own attack ads for them in their primary and you know this is this is the problem that Republicans have. I agree with you wholeheartedly. This election comes down it's a turnout thing because as yep. much as you hear these Republicans say, well I don't know if I could vote for him, they all will. Just plan on every Republican voting for him because they've just been so brainwashed into not sitting out an election and they can't vote for a Democrat even though Republicans haven't helped them at all. And so you we just got to get the numbers game like we did in 2020. Yeah, and I have a message for all the suburban women listening to your show. Yes. Um, remember, that was President Trump, ex-president, I keep calling him president, ex-president Trump, who picked those three uh, uh, justices on the Supreme Court who have taken, taken women's rights away. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, now we have people coming from all different states to come here for women's health care because they can't get it in their own state. So just remember that before you push the button when you vote. It's It will take us 20 years to get that court back into some sort of normalcy. And so you have to show up every election. You just, there's no, everyone votes. That's just that. 
Uh, Philip Anthony, once again, the Downright Upright Show with Philip Anthony. It airs on Saturdays at 5 o'clock, part of our great LGBTQIA plus community line of programming, followed by the Wall of Power Radio Hour with Metza that comes in after you. Uh, I can't, uh, Philip, I can't tell you how happy I am that you're part of the gig. Oh, my God. I am so excited about this, Matt. And I just had my first radio uh, show last week. And, it, you know, I got great feedback. And um, and thank you. I just want to thank you before we close this out. For you, when I was wet behind the ears with this podcast, I didn't, you know, it was a novice. And you did do my show at the very beginning. And I want to thank you for that. That was amazing. It was my pleasure to do it. You do a great job here. And I think it's, it, it's you being on our station is going to be an asset for sure because it just is, you're very good. So it's, it's a pl- privilege and a pleasure to have you on. And uh, Philip, oh I think you God. should, and Philip, I think you should preview your show tomorrow because you have a big time guest coming up on your show. Ooh. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you, Brett. I'm so excited to talk to Matt. Um, uh, yes, I'm going to have Rich, uh, Ruth Richardson, who is now the CEO of uh, Planned Parenthood uh, Mid, uh, North, uh, Mid, North Central States. Excuse me. Yes, that's her title. And we're going to be talking about women's health on the show tomorrow. Oh, beautiful. Well, that's and that, once again, tomorrow, 5 o'clock, right here on AM 950. Uh, Philip Anthony, once again, the Downright Upright Show. Philip, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the time for, with us here on uh, on your Friday, okay? Thank you so much, Matt, and you have a great day. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Uh, Philip Anthony here. We actually, uh, before we get into break here, you and I have uh, something to talk about here because uh, we, we, okay, I mean, you and I, we we've seen each other enough. We know that there's a limit to what really we have here. You know, this is there's only so much we can do here. The the this station is incredibly dependent on the listeners and the people that are tuning in every day, not only on AM nine fifty here online, podcasting, watching these YouTube videos of me, which What's up with that? I mean, it, <laughs> that's the yeah, but you're doing it there. You're following us on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the the social medias, the blue the blue sky, the Mastodon, the the threads. You're following us on all these things. You guys are absolutely fantastic, and it's not only that you're listening and you're here, but you guys, when you go out to our sponsors, you say almost immediately, "We're here because of AM 950." We hear that back all the time. We need to put out a listener appreciation event and that's what we're going to do the entire month of february correct yeah we have all sorts of great stuff that we're giving away during the month of february your chances to win all sorts of prizes here at am 950 as you said our way of saying thank you because how often i see that of people saying oh yeah i went there because of am 950 or even when i'm around town oh yeah i've heard you on am 950 before it's kind of freaky when people like know your voice oh yeah 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 (laughs) so it it is and well and they know it and they know (laughs) and and they'll come back and they say well, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's it's every business I know and I've worked with, they've all said the same thing. I can't believe how, how well the listeners turn out for you guys. And so this is, we need to say thank you. We need to say thank you. And this is just some of the easy things. Uh, starting next week, what are we doing here? Yeah, we have a, a nice giveaway for next week. Tickets to our listener appreciation event taking place on Tuesday, February 13th. Next week, we are giving away tickets to that event. Again, that's thanks to the generosity of our listeners because yeah. you could have, you originally could have gotten those tickets by, of course, making a donation as part of our calendar promotion. But we had so many people that were so generous, 
we decided, you know, we should give away a few to our listeners to show our appreciation. Yeah. And we're doing that next week. Listen to our station and, of course, also follow us on social media. We'll be putting out all sorts of posts on Facebook where basically if you like our posts and then like our page as well, you'll be entered with a chance to win tickets to that meet and greet. And we'll be announcing those winners later in the week. And we'll be doing this not on, only on this show, but in Pilot Show on Native Roots Radio, I'm Awake. Mm-hmm. Bakken show at night. If you're not listening to Ghost Box Radio, it's exceptional. It is absolutely exceptional. I love Greg. Greg Bakken is at night here at 10 o'clock on AM 950. You meet, you can listen to all three of those shows. We're going to be giving away stuff there. Or it might be a, it might be a giveaway on the air. It might be a giveaway associated with the social media pages or signing up for the e-newsletter, something like that. We have a lot of ways we're going to do this. And I, and I should point out right now, your chances are going to increase dramatically if you end up taking that social media or newsletter route. We will give away some over the airwaves, but you're going to have a much better chance to win if you're following us on our socials and also replying to our newsletter as well. Glad you brought that up because yeah. we will be sending out newsletter e-blasts next week and during the rest of February on Mondays and Thursdays. All you got to do to be entered to win those prizes that are in the newsletter is just reply with your name, your phone number, and your email. You'll be entered with a chance to win that easy. I think that's way easier than trying to sync up being caller number five on the airwaves. I just reply to that newsletter. Their horoscopes on? They need that or no? No, no, no horoscopes, Me, uh, unfortunately. I'm, no. a, I'm a quality Libra right here. I'm a quality Libra. <laughs> I got a Taurus here. No, I don't know what those mean, though. Yeah. Well, well, you're a bull, and I'm a scale, yeah. and it's like, uh, it's something about balance. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever seen me walk, it's not clearly, it's not something that really applies. Uh, no, no, we do not need your star sign. <laughs> this is not part of it. I will say, I want to get back to, because the giveaways next week are going to be the, the access to the listener appreciation party. We had a few people come to us with just incredible graciousness and helping out and with the goal of saying we want some more people to go to the listener appreciation event. Mm -hmm. That was incredible. That is absolutely freaking incredible. And can I say this? As a guy who never had on his bingo card when I started this trip down the road, published photographer, you guys love that calendar, man. This is the fourth one we've done. We've gotten, I, 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 it might be in the most we've ever. Wow, we've done four we, of those? We've given wow. away as thank you. Okay. We're thinking of next year doing a, a, a bundle pack of the fifth if we do it, which I think we're doing <laughs> it. But no, it's, wow. we, we, there's, that's the fourth one of them. And you guys, we, we, you guys have helped support the station. We've sent out more of those as thank yous than I think we've ever had before. So thank you. Uh, from the bottom of our hearts, this is just, we're going to do this all month long too, right? All February. Yeah, and those aren't the only prizes winning tickets to the meet and greet. Certainly, I think you'd want to go to that, but yep. we have other things that you can win as well, including gift cards to restaurants. We'll have tickets to other events taking place around town. And then at the end of the month, I can't give any more details, but we, we have a major a big-time grand prize that you are going to want to win. I can't share anything else, but trust me, you'll want to win that. I've heard some details. Oh. I'm not saying a thing. Okay. I, it, yeah, it, yeah. He's not He's not overselling it or underselling it. He, it's, or you're underselling it, of anything. It's huge, our grand prize for the listener appreciation. So start Monday. We're going to have this. We'll be posting on the social medias. We'll be talking about it on my show, on Native Roots Radio with Robert Pilot, on Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. We'll be talking about it on all three shows. Listen to those. Go to the website. Go to the webpage. We'll have details. Yeah, make sure you go to our website. And if you want to sign up for that newsletter, it's at the bottom of our website, am950radio.com. I'll put a link up there, too, to make it a little bit easier as well. That's one way you can sign up. Like I said, Monday and Thursdays, we send out those blasts. All you got to do is reply to them with your name, email, phone number, or 
like our socials and follow for our posts. Uh, Facebook is going to be a great resource for that. Or, of course, listen on the airwaves as well. And one last other thing here, too. We, if, if you haven't gotten a calendar, you still want to get one. Uh, it's really simple. You just go to AM 950. You can still sign up, become a member, still sign up at those levels. We'll get you a calendar as a thank you for that. Just go to AM 950 web uh, radio. We still have a few left. You're more than welcome to take advantage of that. Uh, and so starting Monday, big deal here, right here on AM 950. We look forward to, to doing this with you. Brett, thank you much, man. I appreciate you coming Absolutely. on Absolutely. I'm looking forward to Listener Appreciation Month. It's going to be is, fun all month. Well, but we are not qualified. We can't do it, Taurus. Wait we, a we, second. We, is we, that... we're, we, we, there are, you know, those rules and things. Patrick, I know he's already stuffed in the ballot box. No, Patrick, you can't. No, I can't. No, it's the listeners. I'm trying to look at the copy right here. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. It says station staff is not eligible to win. <laughs> not you, Brett. That's what it says there. See that line four. Yeah. Not you, Brett. There you go. It's all for you guys. Thank you very much. And once again, from the bottom of my heart, from everyone here at AM950, God, you guys are great. And I love you. I really do. You guys have been wonderful to us. This is the least we can do. It's Listener Appreciation Month right here on AM950. We'll take a break and come on back. Fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, myself and everyone here at AM nine fifty want to send our best out to uh, the Senate Majority Leader Carrie Dietzik, uh, the Minnesota Senate Majority Leader. Uh, she is stepping down from her leadership post to focus on serious health challenges related to her cancer cancer diagnosis. In a statement issued on Friday, the Minneapolis Democrat said she learned uh, in the last week that the cancer that kept her out of the public view for part of the twenty twenty three session has actually returned. As we prepare for the next session, I decided it was the best interest of the caucus for me to step down as majority leader after our caucus has selected a new leader. Dietzik, a veteran legislator and daughter of former Minneapolis City Council member Walt Dietzik, was elected caucus leader after Democrats captured the majority in November of 2022. In mid-March of last year, just months into her tenure, she announced that she had undergone gone surgery after receiving a cancer diagnosis. She later revealed that several internal organs were removed during the procedure. She continued to lead the caucus during her recovery and returned to the Senate floor in May for the final weeks of the session. Dietzik was credited with uniting the caucus to get the number of high-priority bills for the DFL trifecta through the Senate, where majority Democrats had just one vote to spare. In her statement, she called it an honor to be part of that transformational 2023 session. She also urged the public to prioritize doctor's visits and preventive care. Regular checkups are key to early detection. Encourage your friends and family to get their wellness checkups. It can save a life. The 2024 session begins in February 12th. The date for the leadership vote has not been announced. I want to, uh, first of all, um, carry all, all, all my best um, to you. Uh, it's, it's, that's going to be hard. And um, you need to be saluted and mightily, mightily as the leader of the Senate, a one vote majority, and you got all that stuff done last year. That was spectacular. That was absolutely spectacular. And it was your silent leadership that got a lot of that done. And I know you probably dealt with a lot of people who are buckling and saying, can I really do this? And you, you stood firm and look at what you accomplished. You accomplished so much uh, as the leader. Uh, it cannot be denied that you were an amazing part of that success that um, I, I hope that this, this, 
diagnosis is treatable. Hopefully so. Um, and all my best to you and your family as they go through this. I will also echo what she said there at the end, which is something that I have also um, encouraged people to. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, 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 uh, a few years ago, uh, I went and got a colonoscopy. Uh, I was at that age. I mean, and nowadays, it's, I think it's 45. Is it 45 they want you? When I started, it was 50. And nothing was discovered but some concerns. So I am, you know, on a three-year trajectory. I had my second one. And yeah, it's not the most comfortable thing to talk about and not the most comfortable thing to go through. But you know what? You know what's a lot worse? Colon cancer. And it's a lot worse. <sighs> Holy gosh. I'm 55. I already lost too many people to cancer. I've watched it happen. It's not good. And I understand some people are like, I'd rather not go to the doctor. Well, go to the doctor. Get checked out. Preventive maintenance. Be careful out there. And I, I, I can't, you know, if you, if you know mammograms for women, uh, prostate cancer checks for men, uh, colonoscopies for everyone. I mean, seriously, these are, these are preventive maintenance, and you can, you can basically catch problems before they become major problems. And science and technology have done this and gotten us better. That's, that's why this is important. So I highly encourage you to, to take advantage of this and go get checked out. And to the, the DFL uh, Senate majority, you know, it's going to be hard. I mean, I know there's a lot of great DFL senators. There are a lot. But I don't know if it's going to be easy to replace Carrie Dietzik because she was phenomenal. Let's take a break. Come on back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, just FYI, I'm going to be doing some dancing here in a little bit. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I found a good earth, wind, and fire song for you to get us out into the weekend here. So um, I want to... I, I, it's funny the mentality of the conservative who is always feeling like they're the victim there used to be a, a you know in, in Packers fan holy god Packers fan is is kind of ludicrous in their way that you're always underestimating us you can say well boy you, you know the years that they won the Super Bowl championship you're still you're still not giving us the credit we're due that sort of thing it's always a chip on their shoulder you see it in Iowa man you saw it with Iowa with that 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 kickoff return where the guy signaled fair catch and then picked up the ball and ran with it and then thought they were going to let that go and everyone in Iowa was like it was a grand run ever how dare you not crown it you know that sort of thing there is a victimization thing that happens, which you guys, I get it. You always adopt this mentality that you're being wronged. Now, 
I'm not talking about actual bad things that have happened because I'm going to get into this this arson thing. That is horrible. And whoever did that should be arrested and, and charged with a crime. But it's what happened, how I found out about it, that I was like, wow, you guys, man. So this morning, now in this was two people. This was in response to what we have talked about a good chunk of this week, which is the fraudulent translation of the Ilhan Omar speech that was carried by right-wing news and put out there, even though they themselves admitted we had, as a news outlet, we haven't confirmed whether or not this is what she actually said, was picked up by Tom Emmer, who is the third most important person on the Republican side in the House, and basically used as a justification to call for her removal from office and for her to, as a case of Marjorie Taylor Greene, be deported out of the country as an American citizen. Okay? That's not how it works. Since that initial report happened, because... What was the mentality? Was like, why is the mainstream media talking about this? Well, the mainstream media started looking into it. And funny story, when the Star Tribune first looked at it, they had their reporter on staff who spoke uh, Somali basically come on out and say, no, that's not what they said. What what Ilhan Omar her, her direct quotes from that are the actual correct, that's the correct translation. And it dramatically changed the narrative of the speech. It wasn't as this fraudulent, what seems to be fraudulent social media account put out as the truth that was run with by right-wing media and right-wing politicians. It was the Star Tribune. And immediately after I posted this, it's like, well, this doesn't seem like it's what it is. Well, you can only go with the original translation. She's evil and wrong. And out comes every trope that they like to put out about Ilan Omar. And it is bigoted and racist and Islamophobic and just God awful. And it is, but it's a never ceases to amaze me how many people who are just being absolutely horrible bigots, racist and Islamophobic sit there and insist they're not being bigots, racist, and Islamophobic as they're being the worst of it. Well, then yesterday we had Max Nesterak on to talk about the reformer who hired two translators, two, double your pleasure. And both of them came down and said, no, Ilhan Omar didn't say what that original translation said she said. That that was, and, and I even asked, I said, have you been able to verify that that account is a legit account? And they couldn't. It, it seemed like this was a phantom account. So at this point, at, after the reformer, it became clear that the right-wing media and Emmer and the Republicans were all on the wrong side of it. And as I said, either this is at best, at best, it's a catastrophic failure of basic fact-checking. At worst, it was a coordinated campaign to basically smear Ilhan Omar, which it very likely could be. It's hard to say which one it is. But that's where we're at. Now, 
Republicans had lost their attack on Ilan Omar. So this morning, I was greeted with a, why isn't the mainstream media and Democrats talking about the firebombing of our office? Now, this is a legit story. And as a matter of fact, actually, I knew about this before the story broke because it was, uh, I've got a friend who's in the same office building, has an office in the same office building, not one of the offices that's mentioned here in the story, but he said, oh yeah, there was an arson. I said, was there? Yep. And once again, horrible, absolutely horrible. For God's sakes, whoever did this needs to be arrested and chucked away because you can't have this sort of thing. It is just unacceptable. And yeah, that's just, it's unacceptable in any way, shape or form. It's the sign of weakness. If you can't, if you can't win your argument, you basically go and attack and that's, and that's what it is. And so it is ugly and disgusting and by all means, throw the book on whoever did this. All right. But it was the idea that somehow, and like I said, I went and looked around the news kind of broke now about this, this arson. And I guess if you're a conservative, did you expect me to basically bolt out of bed with instant awareness of the story and what Kevin McAllister at up and down the street screaming at the top of my head, it's an injustice. Is that because it kind of sounds like that's what you wanted me to do. And I'm not quite see. I, I'm not quite sure if that's. I. I don't think that's. I know. I. We report on it. I'll talk about it. Well, I don't report on it. I'm not a reporter. I'm a talking head. But at the same time, it's not that it's not a story. It's just the fact that this mentality that I have to drop every other story, that nothing else matters, that unless we're basically screaming, arrest all Democrats, that basically we're somehow ignoring the story. Your victimization stuff, the problem here is this. This is a legit story. I legitimately feel sorry for these organizations. This should not happen. But when it's covered in layer after layer after layer of why isn't every media out there out there demanding that that governor walls be thrown out of office because of this you know you're like what guys chicken little have you heard this chicken little you can tone it down it's a legit story you don't need to scream from the top of your lungs and the problem is, is, as I mentioned earlier this week, you were doing the same thing already with the Ilhan Omar story. Why isn't everybody talking about this? And the minute all of a sudden that story turned on you because it was a fraudulent story, then you can't get away from it fast enough. This doesn't sound like it's a fraudulent story by any means. But because you're always screaming freaking chicken little, it's a tragedy that there probably is not going to get covered as much because you guys don't know how there's only two switches on, on and off. You're either screaming, everybody's against us, or you're basically saying, no, there's no story here. This is a legit story. This does warrant you guys being upset. And once again, 
on board with you. Whoever did this, arrest the jerk. Absolutely. And in this day and age, I I have a hard time believing they're not going to be able to easily track down who exactly did this. They probably already have some suspects. Let me read the story for you. He fire damaged the offices of the high-profile politically conservative think tank last weekend in Golden Valley, and a federal agency said Friday it's investigating the blaze as an act of arson. Center for American Experiment said on this news release on Friday, the fire was detected about 2 a.m. on Sunday. Now, once again, this is the Center for American Experiment put out their news release today about this. So it's not like this has been covered in the news really at all before, I guess, last night it broke on the right-wing news outlets. But when I went and after I was, I saw the information from the social media scream chant channel, uh, I basically went and just did a basic search and I, I found four stories for it. So I'm like, okay, what do you mean it's not being covered? It's, it's clearly being covered. Center for American Experience said in a news release Friday, the fire was detected about 2 a.m. on Sunday and its headquarters located just south of Interstate 394 and east of 169. This is actually right over by Rudy Luther Toyota. It's right there. I mean, if you're, if it's just to the east of General Mills Boulevard and south on the south side of 394 there. The think tank's spokesman, Bill Walsh, said two other conservative organizations in the same building, the Upper Midwest Law Center and Take Charge, were also targeted by what the American experiment is calling a firebombing. The fire is being investigated as an act of arson, said Ashley Sherrill, a spokeswoman for the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Since it is still an ongoing investigation, we are limited to what we can add for detail. Cheryl said that other agencies assisting in the investigation include the FBI, the Golden Valley Fire Department, State Fire Marshal, and Hennepin County Fire Investigative Team. John Hindaker, Hinderaker, Hinderaker, forgive me if I'm wrong, American Experiments President said in a statement uh, issued Friday that the fires obviously were set by someone they targeted conservative organizations. He pointed out that the offices in the same building for the medical professionals and the Manufacturers Alliance were unscathed. The center said the fire started outside the first floor home of the American Experiment and Take Charge and also the third floor offices of the law center. The fire the second floor was untouched by the flames, the center added. Now, if it's a firebomb, I'm not saying it's not a firebomb. I mean, as described here by the Center for American Progress, did they throw a firebomb at the outside door? Because when I think of a firebomb, you know, I think of like, you know, the IRA in the 1970s, you know, throwing it through a window and something like that. It sounds like these fires started on the outside of these offices and encroached in on the offices. Now, I'm not saying, once again, it's not a firebombing. And to a point, if you want to be able to catch the people that did this, kind of hope it does, because that means, you know, bottle, fragments, fingerprint potential. You know, hey, I've watched enough Law and & Order in, in CSI. So, uh, I, you know, there, there's that potential that they could be able to track that down that way. Uh, the American Experience said its staff is working remotely, looking for alternative office spaces. Repairs are made, and the arson investigation continues. Um, this will not slow us down. The president said American Experiment for Freedom is not dependent on bricks-and-mortar location. Well, in this modern day and age, I don't think too many people are uh, as far as business goes. But no, and I want to make sure with the strongest words and the strongest language, absolutely arrest the person that did this, put him in jail. Bing. End of story. But I want to give you, uh, you know, to conservatives, a little bit of a word of warning. This is a legit news story. If it's if you're constantly yelling at eleven, everything, including stuff like the Ilhan Omar story, which wasn't a legit story, 
which wasn't a legit thing. The real stories have a tendency of getting plowed under. Now, once again, I'm going to say this, pretty much every major news outlet is covering it. So I don't know how you're going to sit there and say you're a victim somehow because no one's talking about it. Heck, the progressive radio station in town has just talked about it. End of story, end of discussion. So 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I also wanted to get into um, uh, Lou Raguse over at 11. Ugh, if you haven't seen, I'm going to post this story out. This is... Um, um, this is the story of of um, Rachel who married Nick Ferkus, F-I-R-K-U-S. And uh, Rachel met Nick Ferkus in 2010. He was she was getting out of an abusive marriage, and he was dealing with the death of his wife Heidi. Life was hard for both of us at the time, she said. Nick's wife Heidi didn't just die; she was killed, shot once in the back in the home that she and Nick shared in St. Paul. Rachel was aware of the story. I knew as much as anybody, everybody else from the news about my, uh, or from my sister, Rachel said, what Rachel knew is that Heidi uh, Furcus was killed during what Nick described as a home invasion while Heidi was on the phone with 911 to report it. Somebody trying to break into my house, Heidi told the 911 dispatcher before she briefly screamed and a gunshot could be heard. Nick said a black intruder with a hoodie struggled with him over the shotgun and, fi- and it fired twice the first shot killing Heidi, the second shot grazing Nick's leg. Police did not believe Nick's story, though. The St. Paul Police Sergeant Jim Gray asked Nick to point blank, did you have anything to do with this? And Nick responded, no, absolutely not. When Rachel met Nick, she knew some of those details. I knew that there were people who didn't believe him, but it was always just passed over like it wasn't a big deal, like it wasn't anything to think about, that it just wasn't true. Rachel said, I knew basics and everyone else knew. Nobody ever really talked about how much more uh, nobody, I mean, the Ferguses weren't really going to talk about it. Nick and said he couldn't talk about it, so that's all I knew. Uh, Nick had the fervent support of his and Heidi's friends, which included Rachel's sister. They all told Rachel that he's innocent. After bonding over their troubles, Nick and Rachel began dating before long were married. It was just everything was hard, but things moved quickly. You talk about your hard stuff, and you build a deep relationship because of it, Rachel said. Nick and Rachel... Began, uh, began their lives together and had three children. At times, she wondered about the day his first wife was killed. When asked if Nick ever talked about Heidi, Rachel said, no, I would ask questions, and it was always very short. There were no details. Lou Raguse, once again, Rachel Ferkus and Lou Raguse talked at 11. What did he seem like when he talked about it? He was straightforward, but I'm also, but also like, I don't remember that part. I don't remember that part, you know. So there were things that he claimed that he didn't remember. In their relationship, Rachel said Nick began lying about little things. Happiness was quickly evaporating. Then there was one detail about Nick's story that always bothered her. The bank had foreclosed on Nick and Heidi's St. Paul home, and they were scheduled to be evicted the day after Heidi was killed. Nick claimed Heidi knew, yet their house was not packed in any way. Isn't that the same thing with a few good men? That's how they, they figured out something was wrong there. I just assumed, I started to look around. I just started to get bad feelings, like a gut feeling, but I didn't want to assume anything because if I were to assume that he did something horrible, that's a big assumption to make. I mean, that's saying that someone could murder somebody. Like, that's not something somebody thinks about in their spouse. She also looked inside Nick's sock drawer, found a notice that they were at risk of losing their home for unpaid property taxes. So, and, and it sounds like, and what's not clear from the story is it sounds like they were 
Um, this was this was not the same financial problems as Heidi and Nick had. This was new ones there. Rachel had found the notice. How quickly did your mind go to Heidi? Yes, a little lies, you know. Brought me to Heidi every once in a while, but I was like, that's too big. Like, don't go there. This was a letter kind of tripped me over. I was like, boy, now this is bigger than I thought it was. Could Rachel potentially be facing the same fate as Heidi? She confronted Nick while recording on her cell phone about the money situation and then about his first wife. Your actions have caused me to just distrust you completely, and the fact that you're lying just was so easy for you, and to do it in front of me over and over again makes me think that I could murder my wife, Nick responded with a question mark, that you could lie about something, Rachel answered, that I could murder my wife, Nick reported. Yes, Rachel finally admitted in the recording. At that moment, did you think he might have killed her? I knew it was a possibility that I, that I knew it was possible that I was. Uh, Rachel said that she continued to try to get answers. When she didn't, she left him. Not long after Rachel did get clarity, St. Paul Police Detective Nikki uh, Sipes knocked on her door and told her about their investigation. Nick was charged 12, 11 years after Heidi's murder after the dramatic trial. It didn't take long for the jury to convict him. Um, I felt very fake, Rachel said, regarding Nick's statement in court. Uh, it felt very fake. Rachel wasn't able to watch the jury trial. She was needed as a witness, and she finally saw Nick's 2010 interrogation video for the first time. When the case was over, she was shocked by lacks, uh, Nick's lack of emotion. So it, it's, it was, it's, you know, yeah, that's gotta be a tough thing. You've married a guy who, if you take his story at face value, was about to be evicted because the bank was foreclosing on the house. And so clearly was having financial problems and financial situation. And, you know, you know, somehow the, the day before they're about to get evicted, his wife gets shot and goes away. And then all of a sudden you would think to yourself, okay, if this guy was, if this truly was an accident, he's going to try to clean up his life, not try to get into another situation where he's, you know, basically in a you know situation where he's going to lose his house. And it sounds like once again, he basically kept, financial problems away from his second wife. And so, yeah, I, I, that's, that's, I can't imagine what that'd be like to, to be like that. I, I, I really, that's gotta be hard and I'm glad she's safe. I'm, I'm really glad she's safe at this point. Uh, nine, five, two, nine, four, six, six, two, oh, five. I'll post that story a little bit later on. Let's take a break. Come on back. Get into the music on a Friday. It's the Matt McNeil show on AM nine fifty. I'm out here a thousand AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil show. Yeah, no, that is, that's, man, that's like, that's Dateline NBC stuff right there. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Have they done the Fergus story on the Dateline? I wonder, oh, they've got to at some point here. Uh, that's, that's one that might show up on one of those. I mean, it's going to, I mean, there's so many of them now. Half of Netflix seems like it's true crime stories at this point. So, yeah, if it hasn't, it's going to be. I, I guarantee you there. Uh, once again, next week, Listener Appreciation Week kicks into gear. Go to AM950 Radio to find out all the details. We're going to be starting to give away stuff on Monday all throughout the entire month of February. So it, make sure you check that out. Have a great, safe weekend. Uh, we've got Robert Pilot, Native Roots Radio. That's coming up next. Uh, Greg Bach and uh, Ghost Box Radio coming up tonight. I will be back on a Monday. Until then, have a great weekend and see ya!